Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Wowie, wow, wow, he says to open a show like some kind of moron. Happy Friday, everybody. It's Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation off season episode number 80. Nine, the last one in the month of July. I was looking at the calendar for a second. I went, wait a minute. Okay, we got 30, 31. Yeah, that's the weekend. 80 gets us through July. 80 gets us through July. August. Once we get through August, boy. I mean, I don't even know that we need to get through. You know, a lot of these months, we're trying to get through them. June, at least, had basketball. July is a tough one. This might be the, this, you know, it's the dog days for baseball. They talk about the dog days, which I believe has to do with the star. Is that serious? No. Canis Major? <laughs> Who knows? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I don't follow that stuff. The, uh, this is the dog days for the NBA offseason, too, because we're sort of hunting for agency is supposed to take up a nice chunk at the front end, but it really didn't this year because a couple of big trades were kind of the only things that happened. And now we're still waiting on some other big ones. But anyway, who cares? All that stuff be damned. It's the end of July. It's off-season episode 80. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Should any of you find this show for the first time? And we're kind of in the midst of... Well, it was a mailbag run last couple of days. We talked about players coming off of big injuries on Wednesday. We talked about how the team concept can impact handicapping yesterday. But we're going to jump out of the mailbag. We're going to uncinch it, hop out. We're going to recinch it so nothing else falls out of the mailbag. And today, we're going to look just briefly at Yahoo's preseason rank board. And I don't want to spend more than just this one show on it right now. Because we will come back and revisit it later. Why? Well, because Yahoo's set to make a whole bunch of adjustments. They are coming down the pike and they are coming quick. Because there's a lot of really weird stuff going on right now. A lot of really weird stuff. But today, my goal is to get us through the Yahoo pre-rank first round. But we might need to go even just a tiny bit farther than that. Because there are some notable names sitting kind of more in the top 25 range. A ton of notable names even beyond that as well. But, look, the first two picks you make generally define whether or not you have a competitive fantasy basketball team. If you have decent first and second round picks, you're going to be in the mix. Then it comes down to all the stuff you do around the edges. If you have a very bad first round pick in particular, you're kind of cooked. Like, think about... Michael Porter Jr. as a late second, early third last year, that would have derailed a ton of teams if it didn't tend to end up as the guy that a lot of Nikola Jokic teams ended up with. Like, Jokic, you got first, so Porter was 24 or 25, and Jokic could float you on a total misfire in the second round. If you had Jokic and someone who was alive in the second or third round, you pretty much won your league. But that's why those first couple picks are so important. If you had MPJ with almost anybody else... You, you kind of didn't have a shot. So here's what Yahoo has. We'll go through it piece by piece and take a look at how it compared to some of the stuff we were just talking about and kind of our 
who should go number two discussion. And a lot of the names we talked about are, they make up that chunk. We talked about how it was sort of Nikola Jokic and then nine guys, but we broke down 12 behind him. So let's just talk about the top 13 right now. And guess what? It's basically the players we talked about. It's almost like they listened to the pod and they were like, all right, well, Dan, this is Dan's 12 after his number one, so let's just pick them and order them up. Nikola Jokic is one, obviously, preseason rank of one. And then, check this out, KD two, Trey Young three, Joel Embiid four, Cat five, Steph six, Luka seven, which is probably about the lowest he's gone in like two or three years, people finally caught on to the fact that he's not going to be a nine-cat number two player. Jason Tatum, eight. Giannis, nine. LaMelo, 10. Harden, 11. Kyrie Irving, 12. And LeBron James, 13. The only player we talked about that isn't in that grouping is Tyrese Halliburton, who right now is all the way down at number 29, but that ain't going to last. Because Halliburton was a first-rounder by totals last year, and he has a chance to be a first-rounder on both this year. So the only name that was different was Kyrie Irving. We didn't talk about Kyrie because I don't think people are going to draft him as high as this pre-rank is. I don't believe so. Like, yeah, I mean, it's likely that he's going to play, and sure, when he played last year, he was a top-five-per-game guy. But he's not going to get four days of rest between every ball game this season. He's going to continue to miss games for some reason, and we don't even really know what team he's going to be on when the season begins. The other couple of names I threw out there as guys I thought might get drafted in the top 13, their pre-ranks, Damian Lillard is at 15, Anthony Davis is at 18. But we didn't break down those guys. I just threw them out as, here's guys that might slip their way into that group. Let me give you the next... Uh, 12 names, just so you have the first 25 here, and then we can kind of pick and choose a little bit on on who we want to break down. John Morant is 14. We already told you Dame. Kawhi Leonard, 16. Jimmy Butler, 17. Told you AD already at 18. Paul George is still 19. Bradley Beal, 20. And that's the thing. Like Even as bad as he was last year, you knew he wasn't going to fall that far. Bam Adebayo, 21. Donovan Mitchell, 22 see where he ends up at the end of this offseason. That'll play a big role. Devin Booker, 23. Demonis Sabonis, 24. Freddie Van Vliet, 25. And on the whole, there's a lot to agree with in that group. It's never going to be exactly what you wanted it to be. But look, like, JJJ is 40, and he's coming off this big, big injury. So, I mean, that's a guy who's going to fall... so, like, yeah, obviously. And and Time Lord is 33. He'll probably move up. None of this stuff is set in stone. I don't want you guys to take this as some sort of Yahoo gospel and, like, this is the board you're going to be looking at when you draft on October 10th or whatever it is. It's going to change a ton. But it does give us a little bit of a first look at what the Yahoo folks think about some of these players. And they're kind of grading it out based on what they think the public is going to do. Their rankings are a reflection of what they think people are going to do anyway. So let's start with R12. And we talked about how we'd want to line these guys up, so there isn't a whole lot extra to go over, meaning we'll probably spend more of our time on today's show talking about the next 12. 
which is really nice. You know, we can do top 25 because Jokic can just get left out of the discussion. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits Then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area. Find the best deals on game day drinks and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. I was blown away to see that Yahoo had Kevin Durant at number two on their pre-ranks. I did not think that they would, with all the the stuff swirling around him, where he's going to end up this year and missing 27, a third of the season last year, yeah, he was number two on a per-game basis, but I thought that the big box sites would overlook it. Like, KD doesn't actually feel like that public of a fantasy basketball player because of how beat up he's been lately. And yet, there he is, and, you know, I agree with them. He does have a really good shot to that spot. Trey Young at number three, that's one where we had him down towards the bottom of the board. Um, Yeah, he'll be durable, which is nice, but there's a hit coming with DeJounte Murray in town, and, you know, size sort of irrespective, he's going to be lower than he was last year, and this has him higher than he was last year. Joel Embiid at four, I'm totally fine with that general area if you think he misses a few extra games. Cat at five, and we talked about him. He's a little bit of a wild card. I pushed him down the board because of Rudy Gobert, mostly because I think, on average, you know, percentage-wise, there's a better than 50-50 shot he goes down. It's not 100%. 75-80% chance he goes down a little bit. But again, you know, he's back to his durable ways. He was number three by totals last year. So even if he does go down a bit, See, the rebounds take a hit. Field goal percent will take a hit. I don't think usage changes all that much because Gobert's not that kind of guy. We don't know what's going to happen with Cat's blocks total. Let's say he drops from number 7 per game to, like, number 11 or 12. He could still do what Trey did and play in 75 games this year and get into that top 5 that way. It's just not the way I want to generally kind of line these guys up, as you recall. And like with Steph, he can almost close his eyes and be better than Cat on a per-game basis provided he doesn't, you know, have to miss a bunch of time rehabbing an injury or something like that. Like, Steph had a a very ugly shooting season this year, and he was still just slightly in front of Cat on a per-game basis, who's probably going down. And Steph, I'm going to assume his shooting actually gets a little bit better year over year, even if his drive to play in basketball games doesn't really. So, yeah, I mean, this one is, is generally fine. I'm not super into or out of it. Luca at 7, you guys know I'm not a big Luca guy, but at 7, at least it's not as insane as at number 2. Tatum at 8, fine with that. I would even consider going higher. Giannis at 9, totally fair. LaMelo at 10, that's fine. Harden at 11, 
Little surprise we're not seeing him go a little bit sooner. That's probably a value spot for Harden, frankly. End of the first. Kyrie at 12, much higher than I thought he'd be going. Kyrie was going at like 20 the last time he was even eligible to play. I think he moves down the board. I don't think people like Kyrie enough for him to go this early. And then LeBron at 13 was actually surprisingly low. I think he moves up as we inch our way towards draft day. And for good reason. You know, if he has a good team around him, if the Lakers move Russ, I think LeBron will be uh, inspired. You'll have one of his better seasons. But let's talk a little bit about the next 12. Since we already talked about almost all of those guys outside of Kyrie, um, and Tyrese Halliburton doesn't appear on this list, so whoops, maybe we let that one slip, huh? Halliburton all set to be probably from this ranking like the king of the buzz guys now, which sucks. I was kind of hoping he would just be sort of quietly at like number 12 and people like, oh, Kyrie, that's pretty early. Blah, blah, blah. Move on. Nope. Oh, well. To be continued on that front. But let's talk about what we do have in front of us here. And John Morant at 14 is extraordinary. I mean, really just something... You you sort of do the like uh, cartoon blink noise effect blink blink because last year jaw averaged 27 and a half points six boards seven assists 1.2 steals one and a half threes on 49 percent from the field 21 shots a game almost and he was number 49 now i get it because turnovers and free throw are two of his negative categories removing those three even though field goal percent was a very slight positives removing those three categories for him does rocket him up the board so he's always going to be earlier in 8-cat than he is in 9, and earlier in points than he is in either category format. But he also missed 25 games again last year, and despite this massive leap forward in... Remember, he was going into last season, he was the guy where you were like, whose fantasy numbers don't match their reality numbers? It was Jaw. And his fantasy numbers began to match his reality numbers this last year. But 49 per game... 57 out of 82 games doth not make a early second round pick in nine category leagues. I love that he's there because if he stays in that range, someone's going to get auto-picked or someone's going to fall prey to it in your nine category league. And you're going to be like, all right, sweet. Well, everybody else just fell a pick closer to me. Nah, man. Dame at 15 is extraordinary on the other side of the equation because if he really is healthy the way that they're saying he is, you have an opportunity to get a guy who has been for like a decade the number eight player in fantasy and durable in the middle of the second round. I mean, Dame was number three by totals, not this last year, obviously, but the year before that, the year before that, he was number three by totals. Before that, he was number five by totals. Before that, seven by totals. He was 17 by totals the year before that, uh, and that's because that was a season where uh, superstars actually played the entire year. 2016-2017 was kind of like the last year where you didn't need to handicap for injury. I mean, listen to this. Uh, I didn't mean for today's show to be a throwback episode, but... Anthony Davis was, by totals, the number one player in fantasy that year. 75 out of 82 games. Cap played in all 82. Steph, 79. Giannis, 80. Harden, 81. Russ, back when he could shoot free throws, 81. Kawhi Leonard played in 74 damn games that year. 
Kevin Durant played only uh, in 62, and yet somehow he was still number eight by totals. Jimmy Butler, 76. That was his last year in Chicago. Isaiah freaking Thomas was number 10 by totals that year. He played in 76 games. Gobert, 81. Miles Turner, 81. Paul George, 75. LeBron, 74. Dame, 75, but it didn't give him his usual bump. But 2017, 18, 19, and 20. Four years in a row, Dame was a mid-first per game, mid-to-late first per game, who played in more games than the average basketball player, and so he ended up as an early first by totals. Yeah, they probably go a little easier on him. I don't think they expect him to get to like 76 games played, but as we talked about, Portland has one of the best storylines going into this year of team that had their sort of David Robinson throwaway year, go get a draft pick for one season, come back and compete the next, because your superstar just sat one out for one, and they're going to be fighting, because they're not good enough to coast, and they're not bad enough to tank. They'll be fighting for the eight through six spots, probably in the West, which means Dame's going to have to hustle. Anyway, that one surprised the hell out of me. I bet he goes a little bit earlier as we move along, but who moves down besides Kyrie and Ja? I don't think Dame moves in front of LeBron or Harden or LaMelo or Giannis, like these proven guys. He's going to be treated as an injured asset going into this year, which is cool because, you know, that was the first sign of it, and I'm not going to call him an injury-prone player after sitting out one year to get surgery and rehab, but, you know, we'll see how things go going into the season, and, and we can read and react a little bit from there. Right behind Dame is a player who's actually injury-prone, and that's Kawhi Leonard at 16. You know, what's funny there is that he really just slotted right back into his ADP from before missing an entire season. It's almost like, at this point, Yahoo didn't treat him any differently at all. They said, all right, well, you're Kawhi. You're going to miss 20 games. You're going to be a first-rounder per game, and you're going to fall into the second by totals. That's a pretty reasonable spot for him, and one in a Roto Games cap format where if you have a super safe first-round pick, I don't know, let's say that Kawhi actually does go at 16, that would be the fourth pick of the second round, which meaning in the first, you ended up with someone like Giannis or Tatum or, in this instance, Harden. If you could pair up Tatum a likely mid-70s games played guy with Kawhi, you're, well, you're missing out on uh, big man and little man stats, so I don't know that you want to go hyper-wing format. Hyper-wing formation, but at the same time, you're probably getting Tatum, who probably is more like Kawhi's per game, but way better in by totals than Kawhi, who's probably more like Tatum's slot per game, uh, and they sort of flip-flop there a little bit. Uh, Jimmy Butler at 17 was earlier than I expected. I bet he falls a little bit. A lot of missed games. Um... Even his per-game numbers this last year slipped a little bit. He was number 14 per game, missed 25 contests. I'm not actually drafting Butler at 17. That's too early for me. If he slides back towards the end of the second round, I would. But uh, his his health stuff makes it too dangerous. I'd rather go with Anthony Davis, who was right behind him, and has a much higher ceiling per game, meaning he has a much higher ceiling overall, because they're both likely to miss some ball games. And a lot of that, again, comes down to the Lakers. If I feel like the Lakers have a good competitive team and AD's excited and LeBron's excited going in, I think you see them play through a little more stuff and maybe not push themselves into injury as often. Paul George at 19, not a big fan there. Um, he'll get his rest days. He slid to number 16 this last year, even without Kawhi Leonard. 
And looking at his numbers there, the only thing that improves is field goal percent because usage was about as high as it goes. But Kawhi's back, and they brought in John Wall. Uh, I'm kind of on the fading Paul George train this year. Bradley Beal at 20, still too high for me. I thought he'd fall farther than that. He's an upside play there, but I don't eh. I don't really want a low floor, medium high ceiling guy at that spot. Bam Adebayo at 21, that's a little bit of a safer spot. He was going about five, six slots earlier than that this last year. He'll be behind that per game. He'll probably be in the 30s, but I would expect the durability to ramp back up a little bit. He's not my favorite play at 21. A couple of these guys behind him are. Actually, that aren't even on this board. Donovan Mitchell at 22, that's fair. Booker at 23, that's fair. Sabonis at 24 is too early for me. I know he's going to have big numbers in Sacramento, but his, his fantasy game just doesn't lend itself to quite that high. And then Freddie Van Vliet at 25, uh, which was strikingly late for someone who played in only about two games less than league average. I mean, he's going to have this nagging stuff, but Toronto, especially when you talk about Roto games cap style, uh, Van Vliet's going to play 37, 38 minutes a ball game. He was number 17 per game this last year. I'd love to get a guy seven, eight slots back of his per-game mark from the previous season. Even if by totals, this is actually a pretty damn accurate ranking for him because Freddie was 22 by totals last year. I do love a good uh, pick at the very end of the second, beginning of the third, where the per-game is out in front of that, and they almost don't have to change anything with what they're doing to get there. You know, it's kind of like why we've been so pro-Chris Paul for, is it three years in a row now? Because he keeps getting drafted in the 30s, and his per-game ranking is in the teens. Everyone just keeps fading him. Chris Paul, he's ready to drop off. He's ready to drop off, and CP3 just keeps posting value in the teens. He is slipping little by little, doing a little less offensively season over season, but also his free throw percent was weirdly low this last year. So that's something that could bounce back even if something else comes off a little bit. But I don't know why I'm talking about CP3. He wasn't even on the list of what we're talking about here. A couple of quick notables outside the top 25 on these Yahoo first looks. DeJounte Murray at 26. They actually did adjust for his trade, even if they didn't really adjust uh, for Trey Young with DeJounte coming in. Halliburton at 29, obscenely low. Gobert at 30, which, like, they're going to play the crap out of him. What is, what's going to fall off for Rudy in Minnesota? They're not going to change what he does. He's still the primary defender. He's still going to get ridiculous number of open looks. I guess rebounds might come down a little bit. It's a fair spot, but a really safe play, even in the new, even with a new team. Chris Paul at 31. There he is again. Time Lord, 33. That's uh, surprisingly late, given how good he looked last year. Nikola Vucevic. Um, he had, by all accounts, about as bad a shooting season as he could have had last year, and he was still 29 per game. So to see him going back of that is surprising. There's no one coming for his job in Chicago. Going at 35? Hell yeah, I'll take him to the end of the third round. And by the way, he was super durable last year. Does that stick again? I don't know, but he was a mid-second when you account for actual games played. Cade at 36 is very high. That's a massive leap. De'Aaron Fox at 43. What do we really think is going to happen there? 
Josh Giddy at 47. Now we all expect him to take a step forward, but woof, that's a big one. Chris Dobbs at 50. Actually puts him pretty close to where he was going last year, maybe four or five slots later, but boy, he's a he's a per game upside dice roll there again. As you roll outside the top 50 on Yahoo's pre-ranks, and I want to remind all of you guys, once you get to this range, there's basically nothing separating these players. So then you just start to look to see who not necessarily should be higher, but who you might be able to target based on where they're initially going. Michael Porter Jr. at 58. That's about what we suggested he might be on two two podcasts back. I thought some of these uh, injured players coming back would go near 60. I haven't seen Jamal Murray on this. There he is. He's at 69. That's a little later than I might have expected him to go. Terry Rozier at 62. He's been obliterating that number multiple seasons in a row. Miles Turner at 59. That's a no-brainer there, given his per-game upside. Christian Wood at 56. No. Jared Allen at 54. That's pretty late, given what he did last season. Mikael Bridges at 70. Hmm. That's an interesting one. Russell Westbrook at 76. No! Don't do it! Westbrook at 76. Good lord. Sort of a silly exercise here because even the tiniest adjustment to the projections, these guys could go flying 20, 30 slots in any direction. Al Horford still at 81. I don't really see a huge reason why his role should change all that much unless Kevin Durant shows up and then, you know, hard to see how all those giant dudes play at the same time, but they could. Uh, Mitchell Robinson at 86, a little earlier than I thought he might go, which, you know, if he was going later, I'd call him an interesting play, but with a Hartenstein hanging out behind him, meh. Hey, Ben Simmons, pre-rank 88. Notable. I don't want to do anything with it, but notable. Rob Covington at 99. He just keeps coasting along. Yeah, apparently all he needs is 22 minutes when he comes in and goes buck wild. Gordon Hayward at 84. We thought he was going to get phased out there, but, you know, with everything going on with Miles Bridges. Mmm. Yeesh. And then there is just names that are so far back. It's crazy. Those guys will be moving rapidly. Gary Trent Jr. at 125. Just no belief at all that he can replicate what happened last year. Brandon Clark at 122 with all the guys missing in Memphis. That's a really interesting name to look at. One of my favorites, as you guys remember from earlier this offseason. Clay Thompson at 110. That's very late. I get it, because in head-to-head, no one's going to draft a guy who's sitting every back-to-back. But at the same time, he managed to work his way up into the 60s by the end of last year. Keldon Johnson at 106. There there are really, like, if you did a draft right now, you could probably get some pretty good deals. I just don't know how you convince all of your league mates to draft at the end of July, because so many things can happen, especially on the trade front. Like, how could you draft Kevin Durant right now? Alperen Sengun, likely starting center in Houston at 140. That's intriguing. Like, you know, we're not going to get into these the what is sleeper area. Jalen Brunson at 132 in New York. It's going to move, and it's going to move a lot. So that's why I wanted to focus a little bit more on the top 25, and then just threw out a few notables, guys that we kind of put on our watch list or potential buzz list and where they ended up here early. What this also tells us is that beyond... 
the really big name guys, the casual NBA fan is not ready yet. I think it's a big advantage we have working throughout the offseason to get some of these names lined up. A lot of good stuff out there in the fantasy space these days. If you pay attention in June and July, you can just get so far out in front. You guys know I like to push drafts until about the very last minute, just in case somebody gets hurt running into the season. Um, I think with the long offseason this year, and if we get a couple more of these big trades coming through, this might end up being kind of a wave year where people just have no idea what to do. And... Um, then we can crush him like a bug. Anywho, that's that. 80 episodes in the offseason, in the books. I don't know why I'm doing this counting thing. It is really just like sort of slashing marks in the prison cell wall. Uh, but at the same time, as we approach 100, which we'll get to in the month of August, I always, I love, and this is, oh man, this is going to come off really crummy. Almost, I almost threw out a, a curse word there. It's going to come a little crummy, but I don't mean for it to be that way. I just I like, I like when podcasts celebrate getting to 50 or 100 episodes or whatever it is. It's just sort of a little bit amusing to me because I look back and I'm like, yeah, bang that out in an off season, man. How many weekdays are there in a calendar year? I always forget. Is it 52 times five, basically? It's like 260 episodes a year. Good Lord. Whoo! We've talked a lot on in the history of this podcast. Hey, I forgot to tell you guys again. Should have done it at the beginning of the show, but I'll do it near the end. NFL Fantasy Pass, available now at sportsethos.com. Hover over the premium tab, which, by the way, shout out to uh, Aaron Bruski and the rest of the tech team for dramatically revamping the menu system at Sports Ethos. You get to see all sorts of cool stuff if you hover over the menus now. So you can hover over premium, and instead of being kind of difficult to find, now there's this whole, like, you can go to your premium page, it's sorted by package, the sign-up process is easier to find what you're looking for, fantasy, DFS, wagering, bundles. Anyway, reason I bring all of this up is that this year and this year alone, you get NFL and NBA together in the Fantasy Pass. They are not separated by sport because this is the first ever season for NFL, and we wanted to just throw it in there for you fantasy NBA buffs who might also do a little football. We got sleepers, we got rank boards, you got offensive line rankings, you got where the consensus is wrong, you got guys to avoid. It's really cool stuff. I know I'm... Oh, depth charts? Depth charts, which is a huge deal in the NFL. Hell, if I know who's next up on the targets list for wide receivers if somebody goes down. Whew. That's a ton of work. Luckily, they only play once a week. Do all this work now, and then you don't have to do as much adjusting later. With the NBA, you're in constant adjustment, but at least it's not as, you know, you don't have 80 guys on every team. You got a dozen. Yeah. It's a different bird, though. You know, you, you know once a week... Giant rosters versus a bunch of times a week, much smaller rosters. It's frankly why I don't really play much fantasy baseball. I tried it this year, and I'm just now kind of running out of gas. I made it way farther than I usually do. Shout out to our guy, Joe Orico, running Fantasy MLB today. His pod kept me locked in and his, and his tweet storms longer than I've ever been before. I usually give up on fantasy baseball by, like, mid-May because I'm just tired. 
at that point of doing all fantasy for basketball for so many hours every day. It's just like, you know what? I need a, I need a respite. But go to sportsethos.com, hover over the premium tab, check out the fantasy pass. It's just $5.99 a month. Sign up now, get the NFL stuff. And then as soon as NBA stuff starts to come out here at the site, which again, we're only like three and a half, four weeks away, that all just gets in there too including the B-150 and the draft guide. You don't have to worry about that. You're already, you'd already be signed up. Tell them Dan sent you, and it's still $5.99 a month. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a delightful weekend, and we'll talk to you guys in August. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today, at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Ethos, Fantasy, BK, FB, and BB are the three sports for our Twitter feeds. Again, at Dan Vespers, that's me. Talk to you guys on Monday. So long.